Hello and welcome to the Tune Under podcast. It's the squad pod number two after Keegan and Mark did the review of the goalkeepers and the defenders last uh, last week, a few days ago. And here to walk us through this one is myself, Jack, in Brisbane, and I've got Dimmy in Melbourne. How are you doing, Dimmy? Very well, mate. Very uh very excited about the new kit release on uh, on the weekend. That was always always good to see, and uh, managed to convince myself to get a new kit, even though I don't know how the sizes are going to fit as as last season. But uh, <laughs> it's uh, it's good that there was a couple a few tidbits of Newcastle news come out, and it's it's still strange not not having football every weekend. But uh, I think we're getting closer to transfer window and all, all that sort of uh, all that sort of fun. Yeah, it's a bit weird. Like it feels like the season ended a long time ago for us. Yeah, and the Champions League final was about two two days ago. <laughs> so it's I actually can barely remember. Ago. Yeah, I can barely remember. Oh, the Chelsea game was such a blah game. You can barely remember our last meaningful game. Like I'm like, geez, that Leicester game felt like months ago, but it was only like probably three weeks ago <laughs> now. And and it's finished a bit late as well the season because of the World Cup. Yeah. So you don't usually get into sort of third of the way through June with football still going on. Yeah. Um, how, are you, how are you managing to occupy your time? Obviously, we've got the Aussie rules going on, so that's what you're doing, I guess. Yeah, plenty plenty of Aussie rules, plenty of AFL to watch, and there's also a bit of basketball going on in, in America and in the NBA Finals, and there's plenty of sports still that I can watch, which is which is good. There's a bit of tennis this week in the Roland Garros, which I was watching, so uh, got got my fix in, but I have been getting a few extra hours of sleep, which is uh, definitely <laughs> handy. I was gonna say you 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 need to just get some sleep, all right. Listen to me. I'm I'm older than you. I'm wiser than you. You need to sleep in at this time. Because yeah. <laughs> come come August, uh, there's the there's the Premier League, obviously, and then there's the Champions League as well in the, the autumn. So I think you need to bank up some sleep for that because there's yeah. not going to be much sleep happening at that time. Fair, fair call. I wa- I watched every single game last season apart from the Chelsea game when I was I only didn't watch it because I was in hospital. Uh, and I know that you'll have watched every game, but it's it's a bit nicer, isn't it, watching it when we're actually good and you don't mind getting up so much. Yeah, well, you're right. I'll I'll still watching it when we're shit. So for me, it's it's much of a muchness. But obviously now, when you're seeing us win most weeks or not lose most weeks, it's it is a lot more enjoyable. And not just the the games are enjoyable. The the post game, the reactions, the soaking up on the on the result that that always is fantastic before where we'd lose you you just want to sleep and forget about it or just not talk about Newcastle again but now it's obviously we do this podcast and there's many times we can talk about Newcastle with with our friends who are maybe not Newcastle fans but they're trying to see now that we're we're a club that's that's going going forward and it's good to see Mm. all right so like I said Mark and Keegan did a a summary of the the back end of the pitch, the goalkeepers and the defenders. Uh, we've been sort of looking at the squad situation and um, probably for, oh, I start doing it at about Christmas time after the January transfer window and you're thinking about what the squad might be for next season and where the gaps are. So we're going to have a look at the midfield and the wide positions and also the strikers. This is probably the area where there's a bit more 
maybe not controversy, but there's a, there's a few more sort of debates flying around, around around what might happen in these positions. Um, and we'll go through play by play and see how each each player did this season, and we'll have a look at what we think might happen. The Craig's done his slides again, so we'll get the slides up to help us. Um, we've got the midfield to begin with, so we've got four midfielders here. We were left, we were left a little bit light in the midfield, weren't we? In January, when Shelby left pretty unexpectedly, it was a big surprise, I think, that one. But we were, we were a bit light, weren't we? And we definitely need to add some depth in here. We'll, we'll talk about the what depth we might need, but it could have been a bit. Dodgy, couldn't it, for a spell there when when uh, one or two of these players were out injured or suspended? Yeah, we're, we're very lucky, to be honest. I think Bruno obviously picked up his injury. I'm not sure. I think it was around around mid-year after the World Cup, and he obviously struggled big time second half of the year with his injury. But he, he had to play on because we literally had nobody left. And when Longstaff went injured, it was literally just those first three, Bruno, Jolinton and Willick, left in the midfield. And... It's not not ideal, especially the way we play. It's it's high intensity, high pressing. There's a lot of movement. It's it's not a rigid defensive system. So you have to have energy from that middle of the park. And if you don't, as we saw a few times when Bruno wasn't able to track back or he didn't have Longy next to him, we, we did struggle a little bit with with just legs in the midfield. And I think yeah, we'll, we'll probably talk about it a bit later. But we we definitely do need some more some more depth in that middle of the park just to give some of those midfielders a chance to breathe, especially with Champions League coming up. They're not going to be able to play at the same level. Yeah, and especially because we'll play three midfielders as well in this current yeah. system. So I think something that might happen is we might look to change that up a bit or Eddie might be looking for other options um, for different games. And there, are, there has been times we've played two in the middle. But if you're playing two in the middle in the current day and, day and age, they have to be good. They have to be really good enough to be able to do that. Um, we have got good midfielders, but against some teams, you just can't do it. You need three in the middle if if the opposition have got three in there. Um, so it depends on the tactics of the opposition. But let's start with Bruno then. Bruno played 32 league games for us and he scored four goals. What You, you mentioned there that he did have his ankle injury. So he got an ankle injury against Fulham, it was. Um, and there was that period where he got suspended as well. He missed three league games because of suspension. But what did you make of his season as a, as a whole? He's still he's still probably our outstanding player, isn't he? Most consistent, consistently good player over the course of the whole season. Yeah, I mean he he's still world class. You saw the games that he didn't play. We still haven't won a game, I think, in in two years without Bruno. So you can <laughs> see how much of a difference he makes in in our team. And we all didn't want to believe it when he was out for three weeks suspended. We thought, oh, we'll be able to cover Bruno, but turns out we couldn't cover Bruno and. When he came back, we went back on our run. But yeah, he was fantastic again this season. His his drive and his his just passion on the middle of the park, his intensity really, I think it feeds through the rest of the team. He does he does sort of drive us from the middle of the park. Obviously, Joe Linton's there as well, who's who does a bit of that. But Bruno for me is the metronome, and he's the one that we give the ball to probably nine times out of ten to either get us out of trouble or to start start a move. So. For me, yeah, he, he was superb this season. Obviously, he did taper a little bit in the second half of the season in terms of mm. how much he could give in terms of his attacking prowess. I think he did sit a little bit deeper as the season went on because he couldn't he just couldn't cover the ground as he did. I think most games by about 50 minutes, he was hobbling, not moving too much past the, the halfway line. So 
that that was an issue for us. But I think his his quality shone through. And when when he's on, when he's at his top of his game, we are a completely different team. He just does everything, doesn't he? So he's been yeah. playing in that defensive midfield position, kind of like the the number six. You have to say these days because you have to say everything by the number, but. Yeah, he, he does that to a very high standard. He he gets the ball in tight situations. He just manages to make the right pass. Going forward, when he gets the opportunity, he's probably currently our best player at threading a, a pass through. And he's cool of his assist for Miggy. Good understanding with Trippier and Miggy, obviously. There was a game against Brentford at home where he was just absolutely phenomenal. It's probably one of the best individual performances of, of the season for us. Um. And then he, he got his goal at the end against Brighton as well when he hadn't scored for a while. But I think he's obviously going to be the first name on the team sheet. Do you think that if we do sign somebody to sit in behind him uh, in some games, like a defensive midfielder, do you think we might lose something of his game or do you think he'll be even better in a kind of advanced position where he's got licence to go forward more? I think he'll get even better, to be honest. I I just feel when you've got better players around you, you, you raise you raise your standard. And I think there's been a lot of pressure on Bruno to be that number six or the, the deeper-lying playmaker, so to speak. But he definitely has shown us that he can make those late runs into the box and, and can score goals. He didn't show much of that at Lyon, to be fair, but he has shown it in the Premier League that he can do that. And I think when, when you've got that much quality on the ball that he, that he does, you want him as close to goal as possible and as much as possible. So if you've got someone who's sort of shielding the back four a bit better and make Bruno step maybe five or 10 yards further up the pitch, he might create four or five extra chances a game and we might mm. score an extra one or two goals. So for me, it's it'll just raise his game and, and raise our, our level that we can produce, I think. Yeah, it's just a shame he's going to Liverpool, isn't it, for 100 million? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Europa League is everyone's everyone's dream is to play Europa League. So uh, I'm sure can't wait. <laughs> Whoever writes that that horse shit just needs to have a word of themselves, don't they? I think you can tell, you know, we're not naive. We know that eventually you might want to go if you might want to win things if we're not at that level yet. But he said that when he signed, he wants to be in the Champions League. And here he is in the Champions League. Nobody thought it would happen this quickly. Um, but I think links to Real Madrid and Liverpool at this stage, I think we can just write that off as nonsense. Yeah, uh, He's going to sign a new contract soon, by all accounts. So... He's already the highest paid player, along with Trippier, I think. So that'll that'll elevate him. Um, and it might actually be good because it'll raise our wage structure in it, but in like a yeah. controlled way rather than us just going in and s- smashing 200 grand a week on somebody. You know, like it's going to be going up in a, in a controlled, in a sensible way. And yeah. then you'd think that he'd still be, by the end of the summer, he'd still be the most, the highest paid player. So that's and that's the way it kind of should go. Like it's it's you don't want to be going in and and like I said, going for a Neymar or somebody who would just smash the the wage structure. You want to keep it going like that, so it's kind of sensible growth. Um, and he's he's absolutely worth that worth that that wage rise. He's just a brilliant footballer. Brilliant footballer. He's just an absolute joy to watch play for Newcastle. And yeah. so if we can get another season or two out of him, you know, we'll have done very well. And I think he did. Because he was affected by his ankle injury as well, he wanted to play still because he he never wants to not play. Um, but I think his ankle injury did did knock him. So he's definitely going to be there. Um, first name on the team sheet next season, no doubt about that. And the next name on the team sheet is probably going to be his best friend, his best man at his wedding. It's Big Joe, who is now definitely a midfielder. 
Um, he played 32 league games. He scored six goals. So last season for Joe Linton was his uh, his amazing Joe Laissance turnaround where he went from a laughingstock into a dominant midfielder. What about this season? Because he's just kicked on, hasn't he? He's got better. It's amazing. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know if if you ask every single Newcastle supporter, even after the end of last season, I don't think anyone thought he could continue the trajectory of his growth. I thought maybe you could keep that same level and, and still be a, a really solid solid player for us. But he's gone to another level again. And he's he's just an absolute joy to watch on the pitch. And his, his drive, his physicality, his shithousery, even his goal scoring this season. He, he's he's had, it, had it all as a midfielder. And he's exactly the sort of player, as a Newcastle fan, you love because he gives 110% in every single tackle, in every single moment, in every single game. There's no lost cause of a chase that, he, that he'll, he'll get, give up. There's no, uh, there's no run or there's nothing that he'll not do for the team to help us, to help us get the result or to help us hold on to a result. He's... He's just amazing. I mean, look at that photo there. He's just built like an absolute <laughs> brick house as well. So when you got when you got a brick house in the center of the park like him, I think everyone, even his uh, his best mate Bruno, definitely walks taller when uh, when Joe Linton's there. Do you reckon he is a central midfielder then, or do you think he's because he's versatile? You can play up front if he has to. He's played some of his best football this season out from the left hand side on the left wing. So and that's why he played mainly for Hoffenheim as well when he was doing well for them. What do you think his kind of it's it's obviously useful to have a player who can do that and play to such a high standard in multiple positions. But where do you see his sort of fixed position being for the team, or do you just think he's going to go where he's needed and still keep performing to that level? I think for now he'll probably be not a Mister Fix It, but he'll go where where we need him for that week. For me, his best position is, is centre of the park because you want that physical presence in the middle of the park driving driving forward or, or helping out in defence as well. So for me, his best position is probably similar to a Bruno to a, a number eight position, box to box. But as we are developing our squad, we're not going to be buying 10 first 11 players this transfer window or even the next transfer window. So there'll be a gradual development where he may have to fill in at left wing, right wing, mm. striker, Maybe centre back. Who knows? Who knows what else Joe Linton can do? But I, I think for me, box to box is his best position, and and at least at the start of the season, that's where that's where we'll see him. Yeah, yeah. I think his his kind of close control and his passing probably isn't at the level for a, a true elite central midfield. Like he's he's obviously physical. He can run forward with the ball. He's dominant in that sense, and he can finish now as well. But he doesn't have kind of like the close control and the intricacy, touch, yeah. and this the yeah. touch the same way that Bruno does. And so I think when he's in the midfield, yeah, like you, you might want someone who's a bit more skillful on the ball, maybe. And that's not to say he can't do it because he can, but I think in some of the top games, you might get found out a bit in that position. Whereas when he's on the left wing, he can just bulldoze his way and he can uh, he can make those runs for Shah to find him with the ball. <laughs> Um, but what a what a turnaround! I think he's probably behind Trippier. He's probably player of the season. Which, when you've got Bruno sat next to him, when Bruno's only maybe the third best player for you in the season, <laughs> you know that something's going right, don't you? He was just being absolutely amazing. And Eddie is always full of praise for Joe Linton's character. 
Yeah. And for the, his application, the way it works. And he's only 26. You know, I think he only turns 27 just after the season starts. So he's coming into his prime. He's probably not even at his prime yet. So he's just, and he just doesn't get injured either. He, he did towards the end of the season. He finally got injured in the warm up for the Leicester game. Um, but other than that, he's just absolute brick wall, isn't he? You, you'd yeah. like to have you'd like to have him lining up against alongside, wouldn't you, in the in the dressing room? Oh, absolutely. He's he's tough as nails. I mean, I think he has had a few knocks and and, and bruises and injuries throughout the season, but he he's tough as nails. He he finally succumbed two games in, left in the season where he said. Yeah, this injury could be a bit worse than, than normal, <laughs> but he's yeah he's tough as nails and definitely the sort of player you want to walk walk alongside. So from Big Joe to Little Joe, Littler <laughs> Joe, he's not exactly little; he's over six foot himself. But Willock had um, he's had a funny Newcastle career, hasn't he, Joe Willock? Because he came in on loan and he scored all those goals, even though he was on the bench most of the time still. So that was in in Steve Bruce's kind of weird system that was going on after COVID and then since then he hasn't scored as many goals he only got three goals this season he played in 35 league games but there was flashes in the season from Willock that really show that he has got the potential to he's he's got the potential to become better than I thought he was going to become the pass against Spurs obviously like I'll talk about that forever that assist was just incredible he scored a good goal against Chelsea, and he scored an important goal against Man United as well. Him and Joe Linton seem to have a good little understanding when they're both playing that left-hand side of the midfield together, so they can kind of swap and interchange a bit. He's only 23. I think his he's got a, a high ceiling. He's he's so good at running with the ball. He drives forward with it. He's He's got the finish on him. He's got neat, neat little passes at times. What did you make of Willick's season as a whole, and did you think that we're, we've got a real player on our hands here who could be real, real good quality for us going forward. Yeah, absolutely. I think he got better as the season went on. I think at the start of the season, not that he was bad, but he sort of took took a little bit for me to get to get into the season and find his and find his way. Obviously, he was in that starting midfield with Joe Linton and Bruno, but he didn't seem to have the impact at the start of the season. I think that he did as the season went on and. And like you said, that combination he had with Joe Linton on the left hand side was was fantastic. That was probably our best, probably our best lineup all season was when Joe Linton was on the left wing, not in the mm-hmm. midfield, and, and Willick was was on the left left side of the midfield three. So I mean, the the thing that you always love about Willick is his drive. He's he carries the ball really, really well. And obviously there's different ways to carry the ball. He's not just launching the ball forward and, and running after it. He's there's some skill about it, but his pace his power and his, his little trickery is very, very important in, in our team because we do have a few grafters who are like his mate next to him, Joe Linton, who's a bit more of a bulldozer, not not as elegant as, as Willick. But you need you need those players who who do make those runs all day, every day. And he does make those runs. He probably could score a few more goals. That's mm. probably the one thing that it holds him back from being a, a top, top, top class player. But I think you're right. He's still he's still young. I mean he's 23, 23, 24 years old. He's Still to enter into the prime of his career, and I think he's he's got bags of potential. And like we we've seen with other players in this squad, Eddie Howe can extract any potential out of any any player on the on the list. So Willie's just got to, to stick it tough, and I think he's he's definitely going to make an English English team yeah. very soon. I think that's 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 a given. But yeah, for me, Willick is a very important part 
of, of our squad, let alone our starting 11. I think he's, his legs and drive. We always say his legs, we miss his legs when he's not there. And that, that pace and that power on the ball and the ability to carry the ball is something that you can't teach. So yeah, for me, Willie got better as, as the season, season went on and he's going to have a, a huge role for us next season. And there were some of those games, like the Spurs game in particular, but there was another one where he was really good as well. I can't remember which one it was. Oh, it was Wolves. It was the Wolves game where he set Miggy up, um, but he was absolutely outstanding that game as well. Um, and it's funny how we've kind of landed on these two midfielders, the big, big Joe and Little Joe, who can just run forward with the ball and carry it so well. Yeah. And it's a yeah. bit of an underrated skill, that, because it gets you up the pitch. Yeah. Uh, and if you can do that, he, he outpaced Kyle Walker as well in the in the one of the first few games of the season, and not many people can do that either. So, I think he's good person to have off the coming off the bench at times as well when you've got tired legs. Um, I think he's going to be a big big player for us. And twenty three years old, he's still got so much to learn, and he's gonna he's gonna be a big big player. And then Sean Longstaff, uh, who nobody ever thought <laughs> we, did, we didn't think Willick was going to be this good. Nobody thought Longstaff was going to be this good. This important. Um, I've always like like thought he had attributes because he showed that under Benitez. And then surprise, surprise, here came Steve Bruce and didn't coach him and he didn't look any good. And now he's got a good good manager again and he looks really, really valuable. Only one goal. He only scored one goal, which was against Fulham in the league. He got the, the couple in the cup as well. But it was funny. He missed the Villa game and he was very missed in that game. What do you think Longstaff has done this season? What do you think he's brought to the, and what do you think he brings to the team in that position he plays in? When he's not there, he's a big miss. Yeah, he's been, he was fantastic this season for us. I think no one, like you said, no one predicted how he was going to perform for us this year. We sort of forgot how good he was under Benitez when he first sort of came through. Obviously, Bruce took all the good out of most players and Longstaff was another one of those. And, was probably on the verge of leaving leaving us, to be honest. I think he was rumoured to go to Everton when, when Rafa was there and there was a chance for him to go there. So luckily we hang on to him because he is a local local lad and we want to keep as many many Newcastle boys coming through. But but yeah, when, when he's not in the team, we, we miss his, I'm going to say legs again, but his, his legs and his fitness to to cover the grass is, is so underrated. There's just nothing that you can say about Longstaff in terms of He's always seems to be in that right position defensively, especially. And when we've got Bruno, John Linton charging forward or or making those runs, Longstaff's sort of solidity to sit back is very, very important. And it highlights for me that need for a number six. And not that Longstaff hasn't been fantastic this season. He has been fantastic. But that number six role is so very important. And we can't leave that all to Bruno to, to sort of do two roles. So when Longstaff wasn't there, we could see we we lacked that natural defensive midfielder to, to sit and sort of guide guide the ball or guide the team through the game. So yeah, Longstaff for me was an unbelievable player for us this season, and I don't think anyone could have a bad word to say about him anymore. There's, again, the turnaround in his form was just um, a, a sight to behold, and that again, that's all down to to Eddie Howe, but it's all also down to Longstaff's character. He played he played in that Leicester game when he, he clearly shouldn't have played. There was just nobody else to play. And yeah. he, he injured his foot against Everton. And then, because he, he wasn't in the squad for the Chelsea game, so he just obviously wasn't fit, but he, he, knew, he was no needed. Way, yeah. and he played 90 minutes and he ran more than anybody again, like he always does. Um, so I think his, his turnaround, and it's the way he's... Um, 
he's made fans who previously doubted him. You know, even in, in January, you had fans doubting him, but he's made them eat the words a bit because of how how well he's played and what what an important part of the the midfield he's become, and what a miss he's been when when he hasn't been there as well. So he and it's it's very special to have local players who've got that understanding of the club and about what it means. Him and Dan Byrne, particularly for this, um, it's very important to have players like that around uh, as we as we're developing and as we're, we're filling the squad with all this international talent. To have that that retain that link to to the local area, I think, and to to the fans, I think, is very important. So these play, these midfielders all played more than thirty league games last season. We were quite lucky in that sense. We did have Shelby, who then obviously went. To, to Forest in January um, there was a bit of it was a bit risky that because we only had these four who could play in the midfield um, and there's Elliot Anderson who we'll talk about in a minute as well um, in the midfield but he's more of like a wide player I think so you've talked there a bit about a number six um, I think there's there's definitely scope for that there's been games where we've needed a creative kind of midfielder yeah. as well. Although our system that we play at the moment doesn't really have space for like the traditional number 10 midfielder. Um, and I think we'll probably need some kind of backup for when Longstaff isn't there as well. So there's kind of three, there's probably an argument that we could do with three more midfielders, at least two more, um, because we've got the Champions League coming up and we've got a long, hard season. And it's probably unlikely that they're going to stay fit the way they did this season as well. What would you say is a kind of priority? I think we'll probably get two midfielders. Uh, don't know if we'll get three unless one of them is kind of a young a youngster. There's links with Madison still going on. Um, we haven't really been linked with any true defensive midfielders recently. But then there's McTominay who's been linked as well. So what do you think we might do in terms of the, the transfer window for trying to you know, fill the depth out and add to the quality of this midfield group? Yeah, I definitely think we need at least two bodies in that midfield. Because like you said, we do play 4-3-3 more times than not. So it is three central midfielders playing most weeks. And there's going to be two games a week, high-level Champions League games. So we, we need obviously more numbers, but more quality as well. So for me, a number six is is vital to get, to either to back up Longstaff or to compete with Longstaff for that for that role, to push, push Bruno up. And just another quality midfielder who's comfortable on the ball who, who will suit the way we want to play but again there seems to be a certain type of player that Eddie is going for they're not maybe nearly six foot physical mm. either pacey or built like a brick house like Joe Linton so there's sort of a, a type that we're going for so a few more though those types probably wouldn't go amiss for us and I think that six six central midfielders probably should should cover us off touch wood against any 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 sort of injury crisis we get. Yeah, and they're going to cost a lot of money as well, these kind of players. Like, Madison's going to be around, maybe around the 50 mark, even though Leicester got relegated because there'll be a bit of competition. There's this Soboslai, if I've said that right, who's for playing for Leipzig um, or yeah, Red Bull. And he looks fantastic. He's 22. Again, he's tall. He's creative. And then there's Gabri Vega as well from Celta Vigo, who we were linked with as well quite strongly last week. Again, he's quite tall. He's young. He's going to be quite expensive. So, I think we need. You know, we're going to fill out the midfield with these this kind of profile of player, and and yeah. it's going to be good because we're going to be able to rotate things a bit. Scott McTominay is going to get get a lot of stick. People don't like the idea of Scott McTominay, but 
you know, you can understand why Eddie Howe might want to go for a player like that as a as an option because he basically does what Longstaff does. He runs all day, so fit. He's got good experience. He's got over 30 games in Europe and he's got international experience as well. So I think if he's if he's brought in as a as an option as well, I think that that's the kind of player that squads need. He's not a sexy foreign exciting foreign signing as such, but I think he'd be one that would fit in well. He's at the, he's at a good age, and that's the kind of st- signing that you need in squads when you, you're going to prepare for, you know, a, a long a long season coming up. And the, the experience you can't you can't put a, a value on experience like that as well. And so I think the midfield is going to be a priority area for strengthening. Um, we're going to be doing a podcast later this week where we're going to have a look more at the transfer window. What, when the transfer window actually opens, that is because. Uh, it hasn't opened yet, <laughs> believe it or not. Um, even though some clubs seem to be doing business, so yeah. So I think that the midfield unit is very strong, uh, and but there's definitely scope there to to make it even stronger. Let's have a look at the wide forward or the winger position. Um, this was a this is an interesting. Interesting. Well, let's talk about Elliot Anderson first, just to, to cross off. Do you think he is a, a winger, a wide foot, or do you think he's better in the midfield? Because he was, he has been used mainly in the midfield for us, but when he was on loan at Bristol Rovers, and to me, his skill set seems better suited to playing out wide on the left. Yeah, I agree. I think at this stage of his career, for me, he's a wide player, and I think the the best performance he's had for us this season has been out wide. It was that Forest game where he came on mm. half time and got a goal cruelly dis- disallowed, and it was he was fantastic on that left hand side. So, especially with his trickery and his balance, he he goes left foot, right foot. I think definitely a wing position is is for him, and he probably doesn't have at least yet the the physicality. Or mind you, he's he does seem to put on some weight later in the season. Mm. He does look quite jacked, but the he doesn't seem to have. The, the physicality or the or the nous to play central midfield, but but that's okay. He's he's still young and growing, and I think yeah, the wide forward for him is is his role. The good thing about him as well is he's young enough, so he wouldn't be included in the Premier League squad. Yeah, but what do you think the chances of him maybe going out on loan are? I mean, he played in oh, he made over twenty league appearances, but he only had three starts, and that was it was in games where he was, he was needed in the central midfield. Like you said, that game against Forest, he was fantastic when he came on for Maxi at half-time and he changed the game. But do you think he might be sent out on loan just to get some valuable valuable game time next season or do you think we'll keep him around? I'm pretty confident we'll keep him around. I think un- unless we have an unexpected transfer window and bring in seven or eight players, I think we're still going to need depth. And obviously, yeah, it would be nice for Elliot to to get a game week in, week out, but we still need we still need bodies and we still need quality. And I think he has shown this season off the bench that he does have a lot of potential and a lot of quality. So I'd be happy to keep him around and and in around that squad unless we do get yeah a massive influx of, of signings. Matt Ritchie, we'll cross him off the list as well then because um, he's another fairly easy one. He's out of contract. He's 33. He made seven appearances off the bench this season. Eddie said he wants to keep him around, <laughs> just like you did with Paul <laughs> Dummett. But you have to kind of... Obviously, he's, he's, he's a good character and he's he's popular part of the squad. But, you know, you have to really kind of question what is the point of keeping somebody who's not going to who's going to take up a squad space and who's not going to play who, and who's going to be 34 and who's just nowhere near the required level anymore, even though he's been a fantastic servant for seven years or so. 
do you think he might get kept on in a, in a kind of a coaching role or do you think he might his family are down south apparently so he might want to go and play football while he still can I don't know it's a difficult one to know what he might want to do but from the club's perspective it wouldn't seem to make much sense from a footballing you know viewpoint to keep him around would it no I, I agree yeah you probably don't want to waste a, a squad spot on someone who's not going to play and yeah, he may be the best character in the world behind the scenes, but next year we're going to be building for Champions League. We're going to be building to hopefully finish in the top top six, top four again. So we can't be carrying bodies. We're not in that position to just carry carry players. So, yeah, look, unless unless there's a coaching role or, or something else that he's doing at the club that we're not aware of, it would seem strange for him to stay on. And especially in his, from his perspective, I'm pretty sure he'd be happy happier being closer to his family and actually playing football, not just sit on the bench and, and, and yelling every game. So, yeah, <laughs> you, you'd, you'd think he'd, he'd want to play some football, but, uh, but yeah, there may be a role behind the scenes for him. His family might not want to be close to him. It's been seven Maybe years that, and yeah. they haven't moved up. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure he's a lovely guy, but he's supposed to be pretty intense and he gets uh, he yep. just ends up he ends up hitting people even when he's celebrating, doesn't he? So yeah. He does. <laughs> he's a, he's a funny bastard, though. He's a funny bastard and he's been... He has been a great servant for us, so we 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 don't want to slag him. We're not slagging him off here, definitely no. not. But the the development of where we're going as a club probably doesn't doesn't meet where his level is at the moment. I'm sure he would admit himself. He's 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 off yeah. required. He's just not. He's probably not fit enough as well to be able to to handle the the Champions League or the, even the Premier League anymore. So, but speaking of good characters, little Jacob Murphy, <laughs> another one who's been Eddie Howe. <laughs> He's 28 now, so maybe he's not so little. 28, Jesus. He he had his best season for us, just gone, uh, and he scored four goals. It was four league goals. Um, what do you make of Jacob Murphy's season? And it's it's an interesting one with with him because I think he's kind of, his end to the season was fantastic, but and he's he's obviously a popular character and he wants to be there as well, and he's probably happy to be to be playing in a part of the squad. But if he's not going to be guaranteed first-team football, he's probably one of the few players we've got that now we might actually be able to sell if somebody came in for, a, for with a decent bid for him. But it would be a shame because, you know, he's a, he's a walking meme and, and he's good fun uh, and he's, he had a good season. So what do you think of his kind of status in the squad and the, the season he's just had? Well, he's definitely performed well over my expectations. I think over the expectations of everybody, I think everyone was probably ha- not happy to see him go, but were expecting to see him go last year. He was, didn't seem like to be up to anywhere near Premier League standard under Bruce. And maybe again, maybe that was a Steve Bruce problem and we just never saw any sort of quality out of him, but anyhow saw something in him and he's, he's definitely a, a meme. That's, that's for sure. But not just, not just that he does, he does, carry on the coach's instructions to an absolute, to the letter. And and I think Howe and Pindor and the team do do love him for that because when he comes on, he's he's a terrier. He's chasing left, right, forward, everywhere he needs to go. And he has shown that he's been able to finish this season. He hasn't hit the post as much as he did <laughs> in prior seasons. So that's a that's a start. So I think, look, I'd, I'd be happy to keep Murphy around. I, I think he is useful off the bench. I fit for me, he can't be starting for us unless there's an injury crisis. Let's be honest, but I think off the bench, he he is definitely a valuable player, especially with that intensity that we like to play at. 
he carries that intensity. So from that perspective, he's valuable. And I think, um, yeah, I'd be willing to keep him on, keep him on for another season. It's amazing because the team actually does better when he's playing, like, you know, and that's just a fact. Like, even though he's not one of the best best players, even last season when uh, just after Eddie came in and we had that good run in the spring, he was in the team then and he was keeping Miggy out of the team and he was, I think he was keeping Maxi out of the team for a while then as well. So, like you said, yeah, he doesn't have the quality. He's not as good as t- technically as some other players, but he does exactly what the manager tells him to do and he does it to a high standard and he doesn't stop running all day as well. So, I think... But I just think, I don't think he will get sold, but I just think he's one of the few players, probably along with Lascelles and Dubravka, and another one who we're going to talk about who we might actually be able to sell for some for some money. Um, and we know that we need to start being, being able to sell players as well. So I think he'll stay. I think Eddie values him. But it might be a bit of a shelvy kind of situation where if someone does come in for him, and there's no indication that anyone is going to, but... If someone does come in and he's given the option, he might want to move on. Having said that, he's got a contract for another four years, so he's contracted until twenty twenty seven, and yes. I'm sure he wants to be part of the. I'm sure he wants to be part of the the future, and you know, he's a Newcastle fan as well himself. So nobody's going to begrudge him. He's he's contributed for, for us to get to this point, and nobody's going to begrudge him sticking around and playing in the Champions League. And if anybody had told you. <laughs> 18 months ago that <laughs> Jacob Murphy was going to be a Champions League player you probably would have told them to go and take the tablets wouldn't you and go for a lie down just yeah just just imagine a look at, at on the uh, on the Real Madrid fans when he scores a, a worldie at the Bernabeu when he does that he does that face just imagine the look on their faces just I, I can picture it right now so from from Murphy to another player who a lot of people would have been happy to have been sold last summer and that's Miggy <laughs> Don't think many would be happy for him to be sold now, although there has been a bit of sort of talk around Twitter and about, about social media about Miggy. I've just got his stats up here from um, from his whole Newcastle career, so let's just get his stats up. Um, let's get them up there. He's been with us for five seasons now, or four and a half seasons. Um, before this season, he'd scored nine goals in the in the league for us. And then he scored 11 goals in one season and he scored, he probably scored nine goals in around a month uh, earlier in the season there for us. What do you make of Miggy's season? Do you, and do you think he's going to be, he's definitely going to be around next season, isn't he? He got a new contract, so he's going to be going nowhere. Again, another, another tale of a player who completely exceeded expectations. It seems most of the players in our squad exceeded the expectations of, of the fans. He, he was amazing. I mean, the first half of the season, it wasn't just the goals he was scoring. He was scoring absolute worldies. I mean, he he was having a, a goal of the month or goal of the year competition by himself. Some of those goals he was scoring, I mean, the Fulham volley, the Aston Villa goal, even the one against Spurs where he just took on long lay and just completely shut the bed with Laurie. It was, it was amazing. And, he he showed that he's got quality. I mean, we all, we all thought he was a he was a bit of a grafter. He he chases hard. He he puts the pressure on. He 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 sort of does all the does all the one percenters like we like to say here in Australia. But never really had much end product. But he showed this season that with a bit of confidence, he, he can have some end product. So yeah, obviously he'll definitely be around next season. Whether he'll be a starter week in week out, time will tell. I I've got my reservations that he'll be a starter for us next season. I think we. We need to probably upgrade. Not that Miggy is, is not a good player, but 
there, there is a chance to upgrade that right wing position. So for me, he may be a bit more of a rotation player next season, but that but that's okay. He's still a fantastic player to come off the bench for us. Yeah, and like you see, you look at his assists, he's only got five assists in his whole career in, in the league for us. So he does have obvious technical weaknesses, which is that he hasn't got a right foot um, sure. and his finishing let him down at times, like against Chelsea, he missed a few. Um, and it was definitely kind of like a freak purple patch he was going on. But he's going to be part of the squad and he's gonna. there's going to be games where the game against Brighton, I think was probably his best game for us. Uh, he was he was amazing. He was everywhere. He got his assist for Wilson at the end as well. But that was kind of, if you're going to play a high pressing style and if you're going to be pressing as a team like that and if it's going to be that intensity, then he's the perfect player for that. So yeah. if we're going to try doing that in the Champions League in some games, he's going to be perfect for that, you know? Um, it worked against Brighton to to an absolute T and, and he was key to that and it, again he must be a player that that Eddie just loves he just loves coaching him he just loves managing him because he'll just do what he says even though he can't speak English still <laughs> yeah <laughs> he'll just do exactly what he's been asked to do so he's just been he was just brilliant for for that period last season and he's definitely going to be around next season I don't think would entertain offers for him anyway and he got his new contract so. Miggy will be there. Um, there is, we are going to talk about Maxi. He's there on that slide. But let's, Craig, for some reason, has put Anthony Gordon in with the strikers. Um, so let's have a talk yeah. about Anthony Gordon because he's definitely not a striker. And we gave Craig shit for this, but no, he still put him in there. But Anthony Gordon, his best position is out on the left wing as well, probably, isn't it? So we've definitely yeah. got options out there on that, on that left-hand side now. Gordon had a kind of a... Um, not difficult. Uh, he struggled to find his way into the team at times. He had some nice little cameos. He came came in for a big fee, obviously, um, and he did. He missed a few chances in some of his games. He's versatile as well. He can play up front, although it's not his, his best position. He can play in the midfield. He played in the centre centre of midfield with Anderson against Chelsea, and he scored his first goal, which was going to be a big confidence booster for him. I think this kind of widespread understanding that Gordon needs a full pre-season. He wasn't fit when he came from Everton because they didn't seem to do any training there. Um, so he needs a full pre-season. And I think when he's had that, he's going to absolutely fly, I think. You can tell that he's got the attributes that he runs. Again, he's another one who runs all day. Yeah. Um, there was a, go- a goal against West Ham, which uh, he tracked back and he won the ball. And I think it was for, it might have been for Isaac's, um, Isaac's goal or for Joe Linton's. But Gordon was back there winning the ball in the right back position. Um, so he's, you know, he showed what he can do in flashes. But do you think he's going to be a kind of a, a starter or do you think he'll be sort of in round impact sub next season? How do you see his uh, his place in the squad? Yeah, I think he will work his way into the starting 11, whether it's from the start of the season or, or midway through. I think he will work his way into the 11. He's got a lot of quality. He's, he definitely has. Those Eddie Howe traits, he, he works very hard up and down the flank. He, he's versatile. He can play left, right in this in the middle as well. So he's he's got plenty of traits. And I think people just see the transfer fee with him and just say, oh, we've paid 40-odd million for him. He should be coming in and just dominating from, from game one. It doesn't work like that. And sometimes it does take time for players, especially mid-year, to change, to change teams, especially when you're going from – from Everton, who, yeah, like Gordon said, probably weren't training at all, to Eddie Howe, who's probably doing two or three training sessions a day at high intensity. So 
I think there's plenty more to come from Gordon. I think he's definitely got the ability and I, I would expect him to be a, a starter for us at some point next season and, and have a good run at games and, and definitely show his quality for us. I think with Gordon as well, it's like it's a mindset thing for the supporter base to get used to the fact that we are now a club that spends 40 million on potential and on squad a squad player. Because 40 million broke our transfer record when Joe Linton signed, you know, and we, we hadn't spent anywhere near that before. Um, Michael Owen was the, the most before that for 16 million. So I think it's just a sort of um, sort of what we're going to get used to now as a club that we, we do spend big money, especially on British, young British players when the opportunity comes up. And when it's a player that has the profile that fits into what Eddie Howe wants, and you can see from his attributes already from his appearances that he's got the he's got the ability and he's got all of those skills uh, and those those good points, which is why we've invested that much money in him. And I'm sure he's going to come good. Like I said, that goal against uh, Chelsea will be a big, big confidence booster for him. He seems like he's got he's got a good character, which was one of the things that Everton fans throw shade at him for because he left them and because that club was just a, just a mess. Um, you had to leave there anyway, but I think you know he's going to be. He's he's done nothing at Newcastle. He had that little petulant reaction to getting subbed off against Brentford, uh, but yeah. that was all put to bed pretty quickly. So I think if he if he is going to behave in in any kind of bad way, he's gonna that's going to be stamped out pretty quickly, and he'll be he'll get the Ryan Fraser treatment, who's a a winger that we're not even going to talk about because he's so <laughs> far out of the picture. Um, but he won't last long if he's going to have a have an attitude, you know. So he's going to he's going to be around. He's going to be a big a big um, fixture, I think, in the in the team, or certainly impact sub at times next season. And his versatility again is another thing that Eddie Eddie's going to love about him. So looking forward to see how he goes next season. Right, let's talk about Maxi. We've we've done podcasts uh, th- throughout the whole second half of the of the season, really. Where we've said we'll talk about Maxi, we'll we'll cover him at the end of the season. We'll we'll go in, into some depth. He's a player who really polarizes. He really splits opinion, and uh, for a variety of reasons. What do you what do you see the the future holds for Maxi? He he has his stats from from the season and from the last actually for his whole time at Newcastle. So I'm going to read these out because it's worth just just comparing and seeing how how his career trajectory has gone at Newcastle. These are league stats. So in his first season, he played 26 games and he scored three goals and he got four assists. In his second season, he played 25 games and he got three goals and four assists. So almost identical. In last season, he got 35 games and five goals and five assists. So that was definitely his most productive season. Obviously, that was when when Eddie came in and we, we became a decent team. And then the season just gone, again, 25 games one goal and five assists. What do you make of his season as a whole? Let's let's adjust this first. And what, what do you think of his season and the way the way things went for him? Um because it's probably fair to say it, it didn't really match up to what we hoped for at the start of the season and things could have gone a bit better for him. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I think you've summed that up pretty well there because the way he came out at the start of the season, especially that that City game, I think it was game three, he he looked like he was going to take that next step and he was going to be that star player consistently that we thought he had the potential to do. And 
Obviously, things didn't work out that way. He he got injured again. He scored that unbelievable goal against Wolves, but then he got injured. I think in the same game, so mm-hmm. it, it that set him back. I think he probably had six, seven weeks out, and he never really got back into some top form before the World Cup from from memory. And he had a good spell post World Cup. He he looked again, looked like he was going well. Got injured again, mm-hmm. and just never really had a consistent run as a starter for us. And he, he's the biggest enigma at Newcastle because obviously his best, we saw it a couple of times this season, especially against Man City. His best is world-class and he's the sort of player you want in the team. But unfortunately, we don't see it enough. And, and like those stats show, he hasn't been able to play a full season really mm. since he's been here. So he's definitely one that we need to, uh, yeah, there's going to be some serious discussions about. And the thing is as well, like when you're missing nine or 10 league games, you know, eight eight to 10 league games a season, then he's the kind of player that needs a run of games to get himself yeah. back up to fitness as well and get himself back up to form. Because like you said, against Man City, he was just, it was the best individual performance by any player of in our our club this season. He was absolutely outstanding that day. Then he scored against Wolves, like you said. And then, yeah, he, after the World Cup, it took him a while to... He was playing quite a lot, starting games. It took him a while to find his find his form. He was... Against Forest, he was terrible in the first half. He was as bad against Forest as he was good against Man City earlier in the season. And then Anderson came on and did well. I wasn't sure we were going to see him again after that Forest game because he, he, just, he just didn't look... There was something wrong with him. But then he picked up again and he played really well against West Ham. Um, and then he got injured again. So that's unlucky. His body has let him down a couple of times this season, just when he was seemed to be finding his form. If you look at his his stats for things like dribbles, obviously he's the league best dribbler. He, he's he's always good at that at that metric. And just looking at him, he, he worries defenses, and, and he, he's exciting. You know, he's exciting to watch. He, he's he's creative he's got he's got high expected assists which is a good uh, a good one for us um so he's he does st- stack up well in the stats even though even though he didn't play he, he missed sort of 13 league games this season it's gonna be he's he's valuable you know he's worth he's probably worth about 25 to 30 million and there's cl- there are clubs that are, are reportedly interested in him he did that strange social media post where he was sort of saying that he didn't know if he was going to... It, it sounded like it might have been a kind of a goodbye from him. There's questions over whether he can fit into the style of play and the system that we've got because of his because of his body and because of his fitness and because he doesn't do the defensive work that some of the other, the other wide players and the other wingers do. What do you think about that? What do you think about that? Do you think that he can fit into this style of play that we want to to be doing, or do you think if he's going to stay, he's going to have to be happy? He's going to have to accept more of a role as an impact, as as more of an impact sub, or somebody who's not going to start every game, but he's going to play certain games where we want to be on the front foot. What do you think he's going to have to? What do you think his squad role is going to be if he is going to stay around next season? Yeah, that's, a, that's the $45 million question, isn't it? I mean, at his best, he's in our starting eleven. I mean, there's no doubt about that. He's one of our better players at, at his best. But unfortunately, like we said, he's not at his best consistently enough. So I think for me, Maxi starts a season 
with us and I think it'll be a it'll it'll be a see how you go in August sort of thing for him. I think if a team comes in with a big bid, we we may consider it. But I think we can't deny his his value to us. There's going to be games where teams are going to start not parking the bus against us, but definitely sit back a bit deeper and, and sort of ask us to to attack them and ask us to to break them down. And he's a sort of player that he may be able to do that. He may be able to unlock a defense, do a do a dribble or beat a player, and and all of a sudden we're in. So I think he's still very very valuable for us at this stage of where we are as a club. I mean, this may change. We might sign two or three or four world-class players in his position and, and we don't need him anymore. But I think at least for this season and especially for the first half of the season, I think he's still definitely valuable unless we get some stupid bid for him and then, yeah, mm. we can consider it. But for me, even if he's not going to be a starter, he's definitely valuable in terms of what we what we need as a, as a team going forward. The other thing to take into account is that he his goals and assists in those first two seasons, you know, he only scored three and got four assists in each of those seasons, but they they saved us basically. His his form uh, saved us from relegation. So without him, we wouldn't be in the position to probably to have had the the, the takeover and yep. to be in the position we're in now. So you kind of feel like he he deserves um, he deserves to to be around in the Champions League squad, but it's all about if he wants to, if he's going to be happy with that and if he's going to accept to do that. Um, I think, I hope he, I hope he does to an extent because I'd love to see him in the Champions League and he's a, he's a player with a unique skill set. But if someone comes in with 30 million, which I think is probably his value and there's, there's, you know, there's been links with AC Milan for all this time. I think he'll probably get sold if someone comes in with that kind of money. I think that post he did was just strange and he's always going to do these weird sort of, he caught controversy a bit and attention, and it's probably just his character. It's the way he plays yeah. football, it's the way the way he is off the pitch as well. Um, he's, there's never been any disciplinary issues with him um, as such, but he always, I think, he knows his his status within the fan base, and he knows that he's quite polarizing. So, I think that's part of what he does when he kind of does these cryptic yeah. posts, and it's, it's in keeping with him as a as a player as well as a as a person. So if if you were if I had to say if he if he's going to be sold or if he's going to stay, I think he's going to be sold this summer. I think last season was the big one for him, and I just think I don't think you can trust you're going to be able to trust his body to be able to get through the rigors of what is what's required for a full season. I think it'd be disappointing for him to go, but I think if we don't sell him, we're probably not going to going to buy another uh, winger or wide forward in the summer. Because I think we need the money from him from his sale. You, you've still got FFP to think about, even though we're in the Champions League now. But I think the budget will be prioritised elsewhere. So, you know, there was there was strong links with with Diaby, for example, last summer, and he's still being linked. But if you want like a, an elite level wide forward these days, that's going to be very very expensive. Even if you're getting a young one with potential, and I think we've got players, we've got more players who can play on that left hand side uh, with Gordon and. You know Anderson there as well. Do you think that whether Maxi comes or goes, do you think we'll invest in a in a wide forward winger this summer, or do you think we might have to save that money for prioritising elsewhere? Because we've got Isak as well, of course, who can play on the left wing. Yeah, left wing. I don't think we're going to uh, invest in, but I definitely think we're going to invest in right wing. I think that's 
Eddie Howe has identified that as a position that he wants to strengthen. I think last season he was looking to do so as well, but don't think the prices were were right for us last year. So right wing definitely, I think we'll, we'll invest. And and like you said, if we can get money for Maxi, that might help us get that extra player or maybe a, a player who was previously not in our price range amount now becomes in our price range. So I think it's going to be very fluid with Maxi. Eddie Howe said it's up to him. It's it's going to be up to him whether he wants to stay or go. I don't think we're actively shopping him around, but if there is a bid there and and Maxi's happy to sort of to go, then I think we'll be, we won't be standing in his way. That was really, and yeah, pleased you brought that up about what Eddie said as well, because that was really interesting because you'd usually expect him just to go, no, no way. Like if he'd yeah. have been asked about Bruno or Joe Linton or Botman or someone, he would have just said, nah, no way, they're not for sale. But he did kind of leave it up to Maxi, didn't he? He said, oh, that's up to, that's up to Maxi. So that's far from um, committal, committal to me that, that he's not going to be sold. So it'll probably be a question that has to be answered if if we do get an acceptable bid for him uh, and if Maxi indicates that he, that he wants to go. Um, but it's definitely going to be interesting to see what happens. And he's, he's going to be... Either way, there's going to be sort of... Um, consternation and controversy within the fan base about this because he's such a player who who polarizes opinions so much and it will be interesting to see what happens i just think he might be sacrificed though for for a, for another wide forward uh, somebody who's going to fit more into the you know the the kind of style of play that Eddie wants and the the work rate that he demands from his his wide wide players so we'll see what happens with that one Give me a give me a Nostradimi prediction about whether you think he's going to be here after the transfer window. I think he will be here. You think he'll be here, right? Okay, yeah, big one, yeah, big call. We'll, we'll 50-50 chance, really. It's a fifty-fifty chance. <laughs> we'll clip that bit up for when he gets sold on transfer deadline day. <laughs> Thanks, Lee. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's have a look at the strikers. There's only two of them. Um, well, there's three because of Craig's stupid. Not Gordon, man. Yeah. There's only... <laughs> We've obviously got Callum Wilson and Isak. I wanted to just pull up Callum Wilson's stats for the season as well. For Not for the season, for his whole career with Newcastle. Three seasons, his first season, 26 games, 12 goals, five assists. Last season, 18, 18 games and eight goals with zero assists. This season, 31 games, league games, 18 goals and five assists. Wilson had a Wilson had a good start to the season and then he the World Cup happened and he came back from that and he wasn't fit or the, something was wrong. He's even said himself that he, there was complacency, a few complacency issues going on, which was a very strange admission, really. It was very honest, but you know, you wouldn't expect that when you're playing in a in a, a club like Newcastle going for the going for Europe. And then his April will go down a bit like Miggy's October. It's going to go down in absolute folklore because he scored, I think he scored nine goals. Um, and he was on the bench most of the time as well. So yeah. he was coming, he was coming on off the bench and scoring goals. And he was also assisting for Isak usually as well. Craig wanted to sell Wilson when he was going through his bad form, and we're never going to let him forget that because of what happened after that. He's 31 now, so he's definitely getting on a bit. His body. Uh, has never been the most reliable, but 31 games is a pretty good return from him this season. What do you think of his season? And do you think he's going to, what do you, what do you see as his squad role next season? 
Yeah, first of all, in terms of his season, it was yeah you summed it up well. He started started really well, and then he had that really weird post World Cup malaise, and I'm not sure whether he was injured or he was sick or who knows what was going on. But he he definitely looked like a shell of himself. He lost. It looked like he lost the yard of pace. He he lost all confidence. He wasn't even getting in scoring positions. It was it was a really weird period for him. But but that end of the season, he he just turned mm. into. I don't know who he turned into. He turned into Alan Shearer prime. It was it was unbelievable. <laughs> I mean, and like you said, most of the goals he was scoring was off the bench. It wasn't as even he was starting. It was sort of like Isaac was starting and then he'd be coming on after 45 or after 60 minutes and just be that pissed off that he wasn't starting. Just run around the pitch and, and score, usually score two goals off the bench, set up a goal and, and say to Eddie Howe, start me, start me. And eventually Eddie had to start him because he was scoring every week. But yeah, it's going to be interesting his role next season. I, I still, I still don't think we can trust Wilson to be a, a week, a week in, week out starter. I mean, thirty-one games for him is is very good. It's unusual to him to play over thirty games for us, as you can see. But I think he's going to be a very important part of the of, of the squad, but not going to be an every week starter, in my opinion. I think the big dog Isaac, which we'll talk about in a sec, he'll be mm. for me our, our starting striker, but. But Wilson's still quality. I mean, even off the bench, you can see how good he has been off the bench for us. And sometimes it's okay to be a not a not a specialist bench player, but to have that role where you come on for half an hour and, and just cause damage. And a lot of players have made careers from being off the bench, from scoring goals off the bench and, and impacting off the bench. So there's nothing wrong with 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 that role. And I think Wilson's gonna have a key a key role in, in that in that position for us next season. I think there's two things with Wilson. So there's the fact that that's going to be good for his fitness if he's not playing so much. So his body, yeah. there's not going to be so many demands on his body. He's already said himself, I think that he's missed he's missed games that in, earlier in his career that he otherwise would have played if he was fit all the time. So his body hasn't had the wear and tear in some ways as, as other players. Like you see players like like Wayne Rooney, for example, who's played a million games by the time he's 23. And then by the time he's 28, he can barely walk. <laughs> so with Wilson, that hopefully that's not going to happen. He's had injury layoffs, but he hasn't had the usual wear and tear of playing 40 games, 35, 40 games a season like a lot of players have. So that's going to be good for him. And then the competition that Isak has has brought in has just elevated his game to another level, as well as having a, a quality player alongside him sometimes when they've played together. You know, it's always good to have better players around you. But the competition definitely spurred him on to to reach new heights and you know heights that he hadn't previously hit with us. So that's going to be a, a, an interesting dynamic. And you're never going to complain about having two you know quality forwards. And when Wilson's on form, he's so good. He was he was good against Brighton. He can play the pressing game. But the Southampton game stands out when he came on off the bench and he scored scored two goals. Everton, he started and he scored two goals. The whole month, he was just, he was absolutely fantastic. And he does have elements of Shearer, the way he plays. He's physical. Defenders don't like playing against him. When he's fit, he's quick, as he showed against Brighton. Uh, and he showed against for, that, for England as well in the World Cup, where he got a really good assist. So I think Wilson's going to be a good a good player for his next season. He's going to be around the squad. And like I said, I think he's probably going to be a... Um, it's probably going to be a bench option a lot of the time, and that's fine. He's shown that he's he's capable of performing that role to to a high standard, and he's got another season on his contract as well. So I think there was talk he was going to get a new contract. Um, so 
we'll uh, we'll see what happens with that as well. Let's talk about Isak then. Isak is a world class footballer already. He's 23 years old. He's played 23 games this season. Uh, he started 17 games and he scored 10 goals. So he's missed around a third of the season through injury and he didn't sign until about three or four games in as well. But I think he's going to be our number nine for the next decade if he wants to be. I think his position is centre-forward. That's his best position, although he obviously can play out onto the left to a very high standard as well. Isak's an amazing footballer, isn't he? And we're so lucky to have him play for Newcastle I think next season for him is going to be the season that he really goes for it and he's going to be I think he's going to be brilliant he's worth he's worth 60 million pounds already but with a, with better players around him he's going to be some player next season isn't he he's amazing I mean we saw on his debut against Liverpool that that cool finish at, at Anfield we saw straight away the the quality that he had but I mean I haven't seen you're a little bit older than me, but I haven't seen too many superstar players at Newcastle. We've been pretty rubbish for, for a long time. So his, his quality is something that I probably have rarely seen at our club. And it's just so exciting to have a player like him at the club. And at the age that he is, he's still early 20s, still scratching the surface of his, of his potential. He's, he's just a special, special player. I mean, every time he has the ball, the way he glides, the way he sort of has that close control. I mean, that Everton assist or, or non-assist, whatever they want to call it, that, that, it was the most ridiculous piece of football I've probably ever seen <laughs> watching Newcastle play. It was it was just extraordinary. So he's he's so exciting to watch. And he is a modern-day modern day forward, a modern-day versatile forward. He's going to play that number nine role, but he's not a traditional number nine as Wilson is. He's more of a number nine who does run in behind, but he can go left, he can go right. He's not just a... 18-yard box player. So he is definitely perfect for the modern game Sim- in, in a similar vein to probably a lot of young strikers coming up now. Obviously not to the same level, like Mbappe, who does play number nine, but he mm. does move left and right. So, yeah, he's he's special. And like you said, he's worth every bit of that 60 million already. And, uh, yeah, can't wait to see him play. It's really funny to see someone so tall, but still who's so graceful. And he, that's where yeah. he gets the Terry Henry comparisons. And yeah. He's so skillful. He's so quick. The, the assist he got against Southampton in the cup as well was yeah. when he just skinned the defender out on the on the left, on the right hand side and crossed yeah. it in for Joe Linton. So, yeah, he is just such a good player and it's going to be an absolute joy to watch him next season um, running on to more of those passes from Willick. Him and Willick seem to love each other, which is nice as well. So that's going to be a joy to watch next season. So think about the striker position. You've got Isak and Wilson, obviously the main two. And then you've got Joe Linton and Gordon who kind of can play there and Maxi can play there if they have to, but that's obviously not ideal. In modern day football, teams only tend to play with one striker, although Isak can play out on the left, obviously, which he's done a bit as well. But do you think that we might end, you know, target a... A striker as well because it's a hard one because who's going to come in who you're not going to get an established striker come in when they know they're going to be third third choice but with, with chris wood leaving in january and he's going to go to forest now for a confirmed 50 million which is ridiculous but anyway do you think that we might go for striker this summer or what do you think we might do with that position well it depends what you call a striker i think we're not going to go for a number nine but I definitely think we're going to sign a forward, so to speak, someone who's going to be similar to Isaac in terms of 
He can play nine. He can play a wing. He can sort of move around. I think there's going to be definitely another body that we're going to add in that role who can play across the front three. I mean, Maxi and Joe Linton, they can do it, but they're a lot, comf- lot more comfortable out wide. We probably need someone who, who is known as a as a striker, but has that versatility to play wide. So when you when you sell the vision of come to Newcastle as a third choice striker, he can probably think to himself, "All right, maybe I won't be a number nine, but I, I can play a right wing role, or I can mm. play a a left wing role." That's sort of the player I think we we need to look for someone who can be a bit more be more flexible because obviously no one's going to come in for to be third choice and we're not going to spend 40, 50 million on a third choice striker. It's the problem that Spurs have found with Harry Kane that, you know, they don't, nobody wants to sign for them. You know, good strikers don't want to sign for them and be backup because they know that Kane's going to play every game. And I'm pretty sure that with us, I think Isak's going to be like, like that Kane, you know, he's that good. I think he's going to be our version of Kane where he's going to play all the time if he's fit. Um, there might be some games where he plays he plays wide, but predominantly he's going to be up front because that's his best position. I think we might, if we can get a young striker who's yeah. capable of impacting the first team, maybe one who's under twenty two as well, so he doesn't have to be included in the in the squad. That might be the way to go. I don't know how old Ekitike is now. I know that he's, he upset people by rejecting his last summer and going to PSG, but. That's the kind of profile I think that we might we might target, uh, and then we can, we can get somebody who can impact the first team. Because if Wilson or Isak got injured, then it would start to look a bit uh, a bit threadbare up there, you know. Yeah. And um, there might even be a case for getting someone like a you know a big tall like Chris Wood, like a Plan B sort of thing on loan. Get somebody in on loan who we can just stick up if we need to go long. If we need to go direct in some, some games, what, what's Andy Carroll doing these days? Andy Carroll, Andy Carroll's on a free. Let's get Andy Carroll in. <laughs> That'd be good. All right, it's good doing this. Uh, interesting doing this this podcast because we did we did one last season, and um, obviously like this as well. And the quality of the squad has just skyrocketed since then. It's just uh, it's a very it's very encouraging to see the way that the the way that we've built the squad over the over yeah. the time has been sensible, and it's been it's been sort of logical squad building. But we've we've also absolutely injected massive amount of quality all through the all through the spine of the team. It's it's always good to to think about signings for the attacking positions because they're the they're the exciting ones. And like I said, we are going to be doing a podcast later this week for the to mark the start of the transfer window where I think um, Mark and Bobby are going to do that one. They're going to have a bit more of a look at uh, who we might go for in, in specific positions and where we, where we might target. And then that's that's going to be it then for the next four or five weeks. We're going to go into transfer window frenzy madness uh, before the preseason starts. <laughs> so um, if you'd if you if you like that kind of thing, you can refresh Fabrizio Romano's tweets every every few seconds and see what happens. Um, but yeah, we'll be doing um, we'll be doing reactions and whenever there's any breaking news going on uh, with any of the transfers or anything exciting happening, we'll be we'll be jumping on straight away to to talk about that and bring the reaction. Anything else you wanted to cover off there, Dimmy, or any final comments about the the squad before we finish and call it a night? Yeah, probably the, the one point I just want to highlight, like you just said, it just shows how sensible we've been in terms of our squad build. We haven't gone crazy and, and bought 10, 12, 14 players into the squad. We've sort of done it gradually, and that's the right way to do it. We don't want to be a flash in the pan. We want to be a, a consistent team at the top of the at the top of the league, similar to what 
Man City are now who are just dominating European football. We want to be at that level, but year in, year out, not just not just for one season. So we've done it really well in terms of what we've, what we've done so far. We've basically nailed every single transfer that we've mm-hmm. had so far, which is going to be hard to do going forward, but, but we'll see. We'll see how the boys go. But it's just exciting to know what Eddie Howe can do with any new player, I mean, or any player in the squad currently. He's been improving every single player in that squad. So it's exciting to see how, how far that this current squad can go or how better that this current squad can go next season. And that's the other thing, the trust, the trust that you've got in the club to make the right decisions, to get the recruitment right, the trust in Eddie Howe to be able to improve players that he does get. If he can turn if he can turn Murphy into Champions League player, I reckon Isak Isak will have the Ballon d'Or next season. Because <laughs> yeah. the manager is just uh, he's got the gold touch. He's he's absolutely amazing. And that's he that's the thing that pulls it all together, you know, having a coach that good who can who can manage the maybe manage the egos as well as we get bigger and as we get better. That's going to be a big part of his man management. But there's been nothing to suggest that he's not going to be able to do that. And I think if he if he wants to sign certain players like you know that that fans maybe don't think we should be signing, if he wants to do that in the name of squad building because he sees how they fit in, I think we just have to bow down and and accept that, that that's what he's going to do because he hasn't put a foot wrong so far and neither's neither's anybody at the club. So. We will call it a night. It's nine twenty, and I think it's Monday, isn't it? Yeah, it's Monday. So, um, like I said, we'll be back later in the week um, for transfer. Uh, it's the fixtures as well. The fixtures are out on on Thursday, so we'll be talking about that, and we'll be we'll be looking at the transfer window in a bit more depth. But until then, I'll speak to you soon. Thanks very much, Dimmy. Cheers, mate. Take it easy. Take care, and we'll see you later. Ta-ra. Right.